KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie. Good morning and welcome along to KCL or live. This Tuesday morning, I have to keep reminding myself to say that after the long bank holiday weekend, Tuesday the 8th of August, the bank holiday at the start of a month means it's almost the middle of the month before the month has even begun. Very welcome along uh, to the show this morning. Free phone number hasn't changed while I've been away. It's 1800 90 96 96 and you can still text us or whatsapp us on that dinner's ready text and whatsapp line 083 306 9696 mary's ready to answer all of your calls and Una is going to be answering the emails kclr live at kclr 96 fm.com i believe they gave away the money last friday while i was away Yeah, don't panic, don't, because we've got another hundred euros and another mystery sound for you brought to you by La Heart, celebrating the ID range of electric vehicles. I'm not going to give you the first play of that clue just yet. I'm going to let you relax and enjoy the start of the show this morning, but we will be giving you a listen to the mystery sound a little bit later on during the show. A hundred euros up for grabs this morning. I know it's not as spectacular as the amount of money they gave away last week, but nevertheless, a hundred euros on a Tuesday morning, and I remembered to say Tuesday, nearly said Monday. Um, is uh, worth having for sure. What have we got for you this morning? Well, we've got lots, as always, on the show. Uh, Barbara Scully, author of the book Wise Up, Power, Wisdom and the Older Woman. She'll be joining us around about 25 to 11 this morning. We've also got uh, Samantha Rawson, dogs on Mount Leinster, being left to fend for themselves. Tragic, not right, cruel. Uh, Hopefully Samantha will be joining us just after 11 o'clock this morning. Edwina Grace has been out speaking to the Director of the Arts Council, Maureen Keneally, about concerns over young people not attending arts events that's uh, coming your way around about 25 past 11 and as the works on Osterie Bridge continue Tim Butler will be joining us to give us a little bit more of an update on those fabulous artistic concrete panels that are on the bridge what's going to be happening with them the last time we checked in they weren't quite sure do we have any more to find out we shall hear do stay with us 083 306 you can text us or whatsapp us whenever you would like. Now, Barbara Feelan is the area manager for the Carlow Mobile Blood Clinics and um, there's, uh, they're on the roads, which is where they should be. Good morning, Barbara. How are you? Good morning, Brian. How are you? Listen, we've talked about blood transfusion not that long ago, actually, and I, I promised that I would come and give blood myself. Now, if I had been more organised, if I hadn't had the last couple of weeks off, I might have been able to get up to you. Maybe you'll be able to get to you later on in the week, but you are, of course, calling for people to come and visit the mobile units uh, to give blood. Whereabouts are you going to be? So this week we're in Carlo, Brian. We're there in the Talbot Hotel. We're there uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday this week um, from quarter to four until eight o'clock. And we're there Monday of next week in the Talbot. So that probably wouldn't have worked for you, Brian, anyway. Why not? We are in Catholic... Just well, times wise. I, I am coming closer, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay, yeah, come on, keep coming closer. <laughs> we like to make uh, this donation as easy as possible. Yeah. So we're in Catholic Homer then next Tuesday the 15th uh, and we're going to the Avalon Hotel there um, for next Tuesday the same time, quarter to four to eight o'clock. And then we are actually in Kilkenny at the end of August, starting there Monday the 28th for the week in um, O'Loughlin Gales GAA Club, again from quarter to four to eight o'clock each evening. So that might be a little bit closer to home for you, Brian. <laughs> well, actually living through there, so I commute up through Cardiff every day. <laughs> so uh, either or is good for me. Um, but listen, well, talk us... Our- 
Glasgow too, if that's any better. I just left that out. Yeah, Art, the area. yeah, believe it or not, I do spend Friday afternoons down in Wicklow, but I'm not driving all the way down to Arklow to donate blood when I can do it here in Carlow or Kilkenny. Um, yeah. Talk to us about some of the things. I mean, we, we, we've heard when we've discussed this topic previously, people concerned about restrictions around the type of people that can donate blood. But many of them restrictions have disappeared and gone away. Is there anything people should be aware about if they're thinking about donating for the first time? Well, I suppose the best place I would direct you is our Give Blood website. There is an eligibility quiz there that's really good. But um, I think that would have been a huge obstacle in the past that I'm not so sure if people are aware that that has gone is people who had resided in the UK for a length of time weren't able to donate due to the variant CJD threat. That has now been rescinded. So if you've lived in the UK, you're actually still eligible to donate. And then for our foreign donors, we would have had um, malarial areas who couldn't donate, but we've actually just introduced malarial anti-testing, antibody oh, okay. testing. So that's all new as well. So, like, come, do the eligibility quiz. Come, chat to us. If we can take you, we will certainly try our best to do so. And our service is under a lot of pressure at the moment in terms of the level of stocks that we have. Um, the last time we were speaking to you, things were in a particularly dire straits. Yeah. Thankfully, things are looking a bit better at the moment, but the thing about blood is you can never have enough. Yeah, get down. Someone get out do- there is always going to need it. Yeah, so you've got Carlo predominantly this week and then next week moving yeah. down into Kilkenny. And if people like me can't remember all those dates and times, um, we can find them obviously on some sort of social media on platform. Blood. Yeah, uh, well, on the so- you'll see them on our social media, but also on the Give Blood website, there's a clinic finder, so you can actually search by county by month. Ah, so you can you could look at if you were heading off to somewhere yeah. sunny this week and couldn't make it to Kenny, you could check. Oh, sure, I'll be back in August or late August or early September. What might be going on then? And you could check it out for later in the year if this particular round of uh, transfusion options didn't uh, didn't work yeah. out for you. Yeah, so we got kind of like a month or two up updated on the website, and you'll see then, like I said, by county, all our upcoming clinics for the country. So if you're lucky enough to be travelling abroad in Ireland. <laughs> You can see where we are concerned. I don't know if you want to go if it's that hot over in the... <laughs> yeah, true. At the moment. Stay yeah, yeah, here. 40 degrees in the Algarve apparently over the next week or so. Who wants that to stay here in Ireland? Barbara Phelan, as always, it's a pleasure talking to you. Lovely. I want you, you to be the person who takes my blood the first time that I go and uh, give blood here in Ireland. Barbara, we'll talk to you again soon. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brian. Take care, Barbara. Carlo Mobile Blood Clinics uh, transfusions, not transfusions, donations going on right across the counties over the next couple of weeks. Do check it out, giveblood.ie, as Barbara said, and you'll find out all of the details there. Now, um, we reported here on KCLR a, a lot over the weekend about that uh, home that was completely destroyed in Tullow um, by an early morning fire. The fire broke out at the end of a terraced house in Bramble Court in Tullow Town at 7.15. Two units of the fire service from Hackettstown and Carlo town fire services attended the scene and managed to bring thankfully the fire under control but not before it caused devastation to the property one person um, treated for smoke inhalation thankfully that was the extent of uh, the human um, injuries as it were but it does come as local firefighters are urging the public um, to keep themselves safe this bank holiday weekend or the bank holiday weekend and every weekend as fire stations across Carlow and Kilkenny uh, closed on that 50% rotation councillor for the area Will Pat and says that the recruitment and retention of personnel at the Tullow station is an ongoing issue and that local firefighters feel they have let their community down. Well, joining us on the phone this morning um, to tell us more about that and, and to get his views on that situation regarding the firefighters in general is Councillor Will Patton. Good morning, Will. 
Good morning, Brian, and good morning to all your listeners. First of all, I think we got lucky over the weekend. I mean, we've been covering this story regarding the firefighters right across the country, and, you know, it, it could have been worse, couldn't it? Well, thankfully, nobody was uh, killed or, or badly burned, but uh, a home is completely and utterly devastated. And from my understanding of uh, what I've been told, uh, the, the only thing that can be done with the remains of the house now is to uh, basically knock it and rebuild. Uh, there is nothing left. It's, it's as simple as that. Uh, it's gone and you have a family without a home. And that's a very sad situation to be in. Um, I, I feel gutted for the family, but I think we also, I think we should feel gutted for the firemen in Tolo because they were not in a position to respond to a Tolo fire. And I know from speaking to the local firefighters, they feel like they have let their community down. But I just want to stress, of course, they haven't let their community down. They are dedicated firemen and uh, who have done a fantastic job in Tolo over many, many years. The problem is it's about recruitment and retention of firefighters. And this is not just in the Tolo fire stations across uh, the county and across the country. There are currently only fire, uh, only eight firemen in Tolo when there should be 13. And as I said, this is a direct result of the ongoing recruitment crisis. The number of remaining firemen on the Saturday morning was eight, and of those, uh, four of them were actually abroad on holidays or out sick, mm. meaning that the four remaining firemen that were left uh, in the Tolo area could not legally respond, respond to the fire. The uh, fire services operate under a fire and emergency operations plan, which was adopted in 2016 by Carlo County Council. And because of health and safety concerns, there has to be a minimum number of five firemen attending at a fire. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, it becomes a legal nightmare. And, you know, I, I hate to think about the, the sadness that, was, that had been caused in Bray. Uh, when the two firefighters lost their lives there uh, some years back, uh, two young firefighters there in 2013, I'm thinking of Mark O'Shaughnessy and Brian Curry, mm. Murray, rather. You know, we couldn't put, we can't put our firemen in the same uh, situation whereby they risk their own lives. So it was absolutely necessary to get fire tenders from Carlotown and Hackettstown to get them to the scene. The problem was like they're traveling from 10 miles away, whereas, you know, the house and the fire station literally less than a kilometer away from each other. And it had to be one of the hardest things the Tolo firemen ever did just to stay at home and not respond. And, you know, it's, it's a sad situation right across the board. We need more recruitment into the fire service. And the difficulty is the pay and conditions in particular are not good. Um, I'm talking to firemen in Tolo, in Carlo, Hackettstown. Uh, they say to me, look, we're being asked to choose between our families and the fire service. I'm like, that's not fair. They can't go to confirmations, communions, weddings. Because the numbers are so low, essentially, the eight firemen in Tolo are on call-out duty 24-7, 365. Now, I don't know anybody else that would accept that. So I commend our firemen for the job they're doing. 
but we absolutely need it is, a it resolution is, to the dispute. Yeah, it is exasperating. I mean, first of all, thanks for giving us the detail in terms of why the Tullow Fire Service weren't actually able to attend, because, I mean, a lot of people might have mistakenly thought it was as a result of this this, uh, this dispute and the the, the, the the action that they're taking at the moment. But as you clearly well, described, it, it's not. It's just, it's actually, it's the no. thing that they're complaining about is the reason that they can't, that they haven't got enough yep. services there. Um, I think it's also important to highlight the fact that we've got a situation where the firefighters in Tullow feel like they've let the community down and I would contest actually that it's the state that have let those firefighters down I 100% agree I mean to to be absolutely honest the uh, Tullow fire station was off under the 50 50 percent strike situation but I'll absolutely guarantee you had there been six firemen in Tullow Fire Station, strike or no strike, those firemen got into their uniforms, got into their equipment and got down the road as fast as they could and would have put that fire out. That is without a shadow of doubt. There's there's no issue about that. It, it is what you're talking about, what we're talking about here today, which is um, a retention and a recruitment crisis in the fire service. We need to get more recruitment, but in order to get the recruitment, to have better conditions in particular guys like i mean i I don't know about you brian i know you're tied to the radio station and i'm tied to politics but like we're not tied 24 7 365 you know Mm -hmm. we we do get breaks that's not available to the firemen and a lot of young firemen with with small families with with families and small kids they're choosing to leave the fire service in fact you know in the last two weeks there have been two resignations from the fire service in county carlo as a whole because of the retention issues because those issues are not being addressed yeah, I mean, it's blatantly clear. I mean, as you said, I'm I'm just back from two weeks off. You know, I've got somebody else to rely on to come in and present the show and press the buttons. Nobody's going to die as a result of me taking time off. But that moral dilemma is not the same when it comes to those firefighters because they are genuinely thinking about the fact that if they're not there, who is going to be the fifth that will allow that crew to attend? As a councillor yourself, Will, it is definitely time for the government to step up in this regard. How can we, as people as media as politicians get this problem sorted because this issue in Tullow over the weekend was not as a result of the firefighters strike it was as a result of those firefighters being underfunded absolutely and i'm really glad you're highlighting that is the real issue here and thank you for that uh we all need to play a part in this uh as part of the response to the fire i did put a uh post up on Facebook and in part of the post uh, I suggested that people who have a concern and rather it's going tut 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 you know and, and wringing your hands would you please contact your local TD and if you look at page all the, the the email addresses are there contact your local TD let them know how you feel about what is happening and what has happened and let them know it's unacceptable uh, we talk about this country we, we talk an awful lot about people power well this is the one time we actually need people to take five minutes out of their day today or tomorrow and get in contact with their TDs and make this the hottest topic Ireland, that there is no TD, no minister, no Taoiseach, no Taunish, that no one uh, is not affected by this and that they clearly understand this issue has to be resolved and has to be resolved quickly. Now, even if we got agreement on paying conditions today, Mm. Brian, the problem is is that there is a, a recruitment lag. 
put up the advertising we get guys to come forward there's a screenings uh, done some people will uh, drop out because of various different issues maybe health maybe not maybe able to climb a ladder i know that's the reason why i wouldn't do it um and you turn around then it takes about five to six months to get a guy up to the situation where he or she will be able to go out on the fire so there is yeah. going to be a time lag but what we need people to do is to get on the phone get onto their email get onto their facebook page contact your local td and let them know how you feel about this because as i said as you've indicated it's going to be people power that's going to help solve it's this. going to have to be and it's going to be as you said 12 <coughs> months at least i think before we could see some 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 change on the ground but that will only happen if we don't take in some sort of action or doing something about it text are saying um why is the silence deafening brian from our councillors and politicians well councillor will Patton is talking about us being more active as individuals this morning um fire services are a dedicated bunch and need to be treated as same valuable important service says Anne and Anne I think both myself and Will would probably agree with you in that regard uh, William can you see any other resolution that would speed things up and get this solved quicker than 12 months oh well look it, it, it comes down to the government deciding that uh, you have to get serious about this I mean up to date now they, they've let, literally let, let it go through labour relations courts and various different things like that it's not good enough we yeah. actually need the government to step like they're not asking for a huge amount they're just asking for the right to time off schedule time off <laughs> so firemen can know they can actually attend a family function i know of one fireman that actually had to cancel a um, hospital appointment for his young lad because there was nobody available in the family to bring him to a hospital appointment now is that fair no is that not. reasonable is that the type of conditions we're imposing on a fireman and just to respond to your texter there, like there is a meeting of uh, Carlo County Council, I think it's Thursday of this week, to appoint a new chief executive officer. And I can absolutely guarantee you there'll be a second item on the agenda, and that will be this firefighter strike and what our management are doing to bring about a resolution that absolutely favours the firemen, that they can actually be firemen, do what they're good at, saving our lives and, and helping us when, in our hour of need. But at the same time, they actually have fair pay and conditions and they're able to be with their families when they want to be with them. Councillor Will Patton, thanks for joining us this morning and maybe we'll check in with you again on Friday after that meeting to see how the council responded. You're certainly responding on our text and WhatsApp lines 083 306 9696 our dinner's ready text and WhatsApp line. Um, one any listener saying, God, Brian, we had marches on the streets of Kilkenny over a bridge. Where are all those now supporting our firefighters? Shocking treatment of this valuable service, says a city listener. 23 minutes past uh, 10 o'clock here this Tuesday morning, Tuesday after the bank holiday weekend. I'll give you our first listening to our VW Hearts Mystery Sound just after this short break. KCL or Live, with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card, the perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. KCL you are welcome back. 25 past 10 this Tuesday morning, Tuesday the 8th of August 2023, in case you've forgotten what year it was. Because that tends to happen to people with the bank holiday weekend. They tend to switch off a little bit. And you know, I spent most of my time off over the last couple of weeks asking my poor wife, what day is it today? Is it Tuesday? When you go from presenting a radio show where you know exactly what moment in space and time it is to the second to having a couple of weeks off and you're not even sure what year it is. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed your last couple of weeks 
weeks, and particularly the bank holiday weekend. I'm going to try and brighten up the start of the week for you, though, by doing this. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hertz Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahertz.ie. So we've got a new one. It's worth €100. Euros, and we're both in this together because as things stand, Una and the team haven't even told me what the mystery sound is yet. But they will be keeping an eye on text and WhatsApp machines with the answers coming in. Um, so if you can identify what this sound is, text or WhatsApp your guests 83 306 9696 is our dinner's ready text and WhatsApp line. And who knows, maybe like the very first mystery sound that we did, it'll be one on the very first morning. Here it is. It's a long one, that one. That should be quite easy. I'm not going to play it for you again, because I actually think that one is quite easy. It's the VW Mystery Sound, worth €100. Get your answers into me ASAP. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hertz Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahertz.ie. Yes, 083-306-9696. We'll give you the €100. Euros. Um, they gave away all of the money that I've been saving up for, you know, call it a rainy day fund for our um, mystery sound. They gave it all away on Friday, just before I came back. I'm not quite sure who won it. I, they haven't even told me yet what the mystery sound was, but congratulations to whoever picked up that money. I'm sure it kicked off a very nice start to your bank holiday weekend. In a couple of moments' time, coming up on the show, Paul Thornton, principal of Tullow School. Why is it so difficult to recruit teachers, get enough teachers to teach all those kids looking forward to going back to school in September. Let me know what your thoughts are. Do teachers have it easy? Is it a gig that you'd like to take on? Or can you understand the thoughts of having to deal with 28, 30, 32, maybe more? The pressure of looking after all those little preciouses for all the people at home, sending their kids off happily uh, the first last weekend in August. Yeah. Hey, great to have you home for the summer. Off you go, back to the teachers. Would you do it? 083-306-9696. Do you think teaching is a vocation or is it a job? But they've got a cushy number. Three months off in the summer, not that long till the midterm break. Why is it so difficult to recruit enough teachers? Well, we'll be speaking to uh, Paul Thornton, principal of Tullow Community School, in just a couple of moments to get his opinions on that. But before we do that, I've got to give you a couple of notices, some information about some water outages today, the 8th of the 8th, between 2 and 4 p.m. due to main rehabilitation works. The areas affected are Anishnag and Bennett Bridge, Isca Erin and Kilkenny County Council. Both apologise for any inconvenience caused. And also in terms of the roads, the L2669 Dominic Street, that will be closed to traffic between 6pm and 11.30pm. Uh, that's tomorrow, the 9th and Thursday, the 10th of August. And that's from its junction with Black Mill um, to its junction with Kickham Street. Uh, alternative routes via Kickham Street um, and Black Mill are available. So just just bear that in mind. That is kicking off tomorrow. But now, at 29 minutes past 10, as I said um, recently, as in, in fact last week, Taoiseach Leo Varadkar said that we have more teachers now than we've ever had in the history of the state, but did concede that schools continue to grapple with major staff shortages. Joining us this morning to help us understand why 
this is the case and how it affects the school management teachers and students as we face into yet another academic year not that far away now is principal paul thornton principal of tullow community school paul you're very welcome along and thanks for joining us this morning on kclr live good morning how are you i'm very good it is yeah you enjoying your summer break well, I'm afraid we've returned to work this morning, so it was a lovely, well, we did have the break, but unfortunately it's over now, Brian. I love the little Freudian slip that you made immediately when you said, unfortunately, we've returned to work. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, well, I think everyone feels uh, that way, no matter how long you have, I suppose, away from the building or from your place of work, your first morning back always takes a little bit of settling in mentally, well, I've, but I've, we'll be grand, we're I've, lucky to have a job. I've just had two weeks off myself, Paul, not quite three months months or two months like the teachers but we'll talk yeah, about Yeah, I didn't have three months either Brian but we won't get into that now anyway. Great to come in this morning and I'm, I'm writing notes on pens and papers because they've updated my PC and I can't get into my emails and the little hair that I have left I'm pulling out. Everybody has to get back into it at some time. Um, what's things looking like in Tullow? I mean we're talking about recruitment and retention of teaching staff. It's a challenge right throughout the year. Is it big on your agenda at the moment to make sure you've got enough teachers lined up to teach all those children when they arrive back in a couple of weeks time well there's a geographical aspect to all of this the first thing is that in areas like Dublin Cork uh, Limerick certainly large areas but particularly Dublin and Cork there is a very acute teacher shortage Mm. and also then it's based on particular subjects as well in some subject areas it's not as difficult to recruit teachers as in others but let's say in practical subjects or in language modern languages or maths they're the ones that are particularly proving difficult at the moment now I have managed to recruit uh, enough teachers from my timetable for now for the beginning of the year but uh, it's going to prove very difficult and every school has this experience for teachers who go out during the year uh, either on sick leave or maternity leave or other causes of leave uh, and they are almost impossible to fill because all of the teachers that are out there uh, have been contracted at that stage or they're in contracts and then you arrive along let's say as a principal in November looking to cover for the end of the year and there's nobody else and that's where there's a huge difficulty. You see, I'm conflicted on this one, and people, particularly those that know me, would say I'm probably conflicted on a lot of things, but is it the fact that the teaching gig is too difficult a gig for what the teachers get paid, or is it that it's too cushy a number and they've got opportunities to take two-year-long career breaks and go off to the Middle East and make huge amounts of money tax-free teaching English? What's the challenge in terms of trying to recruit those teachers? Well, there, I, I don't think there's one particular thing that that is leading to the challenge. Uh, first of all, I think that teachers who are living particularly in Dublin, as I say, uh, and they are starting off, can't afford to live in Dublin, so then they end up commuting. But that's true in many areas of work, like nursing and guards and all the rest. And that's that's a common theme in the media at the moment, but it holds true. Then in relation to, are there a lot of graduates who are leaving university and let's say they're looking to travel to different parts of the world? Yes, I suppose that's happening as well. That is a knock-on, I think, from uh, the COVID scenario, uh, whereby for two, three years people couldn't travel and they couldn't have that experience. And now there's, uh, I suppose, there's a lot of people who wish to pick up on that opportunity. Now that was there before as well. In fairness, it has to be said, and it's not just limited to nursing or teaching or anything like that. Many people set out and from different careers and roads, uh, you know, and they travel around the world for a few years and then come back. And in one way, it's something that can be encouraged. But it does lead then to a shortage, yes, of uh, teachers and nurses and other, you know, jobs as well, not just those two. So it's multifaceted. 
what is leading to it. It is also teaching is not as, certainly a post-primary, is not as popular a job maybe as it used to be because it would be argued that it's becoming a more difficult job working with uh, adolescents uh, as time goes on or as years go on. Uh, I mean, that's another debate or another discussion. Uh, the, the majority of adolescents, I think, are the same as they ever were. Uh, but yes, it can be a very ja- challenging and stressful job. And Paul, what did you think about the uh, Taoiseach's comments last week? We have more teachers than ever before. It's an easy point to make. He may be right and probably is right statistically. But we've seen huge population increase over the last number of years. And Carlo in particular has seen huge population increase. Um, It's not surprising that we still have shortages if the teachers may be going up. But if the population continues to outstrip, outstrip that growth, we're still going to be short, aren't we? Yeah, the, the Taoiseach was correct in what he said. He said that we do have more teachers. What the Taoiseach didn't say in that statement was we also have a lot more students in order to be taught. So that obviously, if that's the case, then you're going to require more teachers. So, yes, he's correct. There are more teachers graduating. But the reality is that the demand or the need is much greater than, in, let's say, it would have been five, ten years ago, as you've identified yourself. So what is happening is that a lot of the long-term posts are being filled but the short when it comes to let's say the more short-term posts like I said let's say somebody going out in November until the following June uh, they're in the almost impossible to fill particularly in the urban areas now if you're a parent and you have a son or daughter doing maths for Leaving Cert and you know you're waiting six months for a teacher that's a very unsatisfactory situation as it is a very difficult situation for the student themselves yeah it is it's, it's, it's crazy I mean it's, it's, it's part Part of the challenges that we've got as a nation, you know, we've got increasing cost of living prices, we've got problems with housing, particularly as you said in those large urban areas, and all of those people who might have been based up in Dublin or Cork or Galway, they're going to move back down to those rural areas because there's jobs available for teachers, the cost of living certainly from a housing point of view is going to be a lot smaller. Is this going to see a drain of all those people who went from rural Ireland up to the big city centres to teach, coming back down, and the only place you can educate your kids will be in the country. Well, I don't know whether it's going to come that uh, to that extent, but it certainly is happening. That movement is happening at the present time. There are a good proportion of teachers, certainly, who would be, have been teaching in Dublin or Cork or large urban areas who are open or considering, let's say, moving to more rural areas where the price of accommodation is cheaper and, the, and they, they would argue the cost of living is cheaper and that they can their salary can meet it, whereas they would argue that their salary will not meet uh, the cost of living in Dublin. I mean, as you're well aware and it's in the media, trying to get a mortgage, let's say, for a property in Dublin, if we use that example, as a newly qualified teacher is a very difficult situation unless you have support from either family or whatever. And not all teachers would have that support. Yeah, I'm going to put one final comment to you this morning and it's probably slightly unfair because I haven't told you I'm going to do this, but I just opened one of the newspapers this morning, right, to read, as I do, some of the sections in them. Um, Mary Carr in the uh, Irish Daily Mail this morning. Listen to this for a headline. Forget expensive runners, invest in your child's education. Fine, I get that bit. Dot, 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 she continues. And quit whinging, right? 
She starts off by saying, you know it's early August when the whinging begins about the crippling back-to-school costs. First out of the traps is the children's charities Bernardo climbing on board the soapbox to highlight um, the thousands that parents are forced into debt or taking credit union loans to fund heinous cost of book lists and fancy school uniforms. Mary Carr in the Irish Daily Mail, I would contest you are completely disconnected to the reality of what is facing many parents with going back to school. It, it, the school system has done so much, hasn't it, to try and offset these costs. What are people like Mary Carr talking about? Surely parents will still face some challenges, but those that are facing challenges, they're not doing it because they're spending two or three hundred euros on kids' trainers. Should they not, Paul? No, uh, returning to school is an expensive business. There's no doubt. Now, uh, uh, post-primary, the, the cost of books is very high. Uh, that has been, uh, you know what I mean, or if it's iPads, whichever your school that your son or daughter is going to, there's definitely a high cost. And it doesn't stop just the books. There's uniforms and all the rest. So there's no doubt that it's it's a high cost and if it puts a lot of families under stress uh, and strain to meet those costs. I, I would have no problem with with. Uh, with saying that. Now, I do know that the government has brought in a, um, an initiative at primary level to try and assist with the cost of books. It's a lot more difficult to bring in a, a system like that at post-primary level. Um, I don't know whether it would work is, is the, the difficulty, but I, I have to say that the other thing is, from a parent's perspective, the, the journalist may have said that you know paying for very expensive runners and all the rest, it's very difficult if you're a parent and your son or daughter comes home and all the rest of the students in their class have a certain type of runner or whatever. It's very difficult to turn around and tell them that they can't go on this tour or they can't have this runner or whatever. It's difficult for a parent to do that. Now, sometimes we have to do it as parents I'm not speaking as principal now. As parents, sometimes we have to do it. But that doesn't make it easy. Yeah. And does, that doesn't make it easy for the mum or the dad or whoever is minding the young person. It's not easy to do it. And for returning to school is an expensive business yeah. and a stressful one. So sometimes it can, the parents find it and students find it very stressful to return to school, believe yeah. it or not. I, I, you know I, I, mean? I, the, the, I was just shocked at that. The, the, Complete, complete disconnect that some maybe maybe she's done maybe she's achieved what she wanted to do Mary Karen the Irish Daily Mail this morning and um, trying to create a bit of clickbait around her own stories and her own publications but to say that people who are struggling to fund um, back to school costs are whinging just absolutely got my goat this morning 083 306 96 I'm sure there are lots of people out there who would have the same level of annoyance at, at, at sentiment like that being expressed uh, Principal Paul Thornton from Tullow Community School joining us this morning. Thanks for taking the time out returning to work. Are you all nearly set and ready to go for them all coming back in a couple of weeks, Sam? Uh, it's, it's a kind of a week's work in a just it's the kind of way I say with the kind of closed eyes here for me we still have a little we, a bit of work to do on the finishing the timetable and we have the building nearly ready but timetabling and, and a bit more logistics to do yeah. but that's what we're here to do and happy to do it well I know I'm going to do what most people in the public domain do now at this stage actually you've just had three months off what are you complaining for Paul thank you very much for joining <laughs> that's us that's right I knew that would be your response to me thank you very much you're <laughs> very <morning>. welcome <laughs> the school's getting ready to return to school but difficult to recruit teachers do you think is it a profession that you'd like to see your children go into or would you encourage them to stay away from it too much responsibility too much difficulty in dealing with uh, our little Johnnies and Marys day in 
day out. Stay with us, 10.41 after this short break. I'll be speaking to Barbara Scully, author of the book Wise Up, which is all about power, wisdom and older women. KCL or Live, with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card. The perfect gift for all occasions. See fairgreen.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You're welcome back to KCLR Live on a Tuesday morning, the start of the week, but Tuesday, nevertheless, 10.43. So, in simple terms, coming up on a quarter to 11. Now, last week, while we were off, the show referenced an article wondering, is 50 the new 21? So wonderful do many well-known women of that age seem to be looking. Yes, we are talking about JLo. Looking fine at 50. Um, nevertheless, uh, many people out there sort of very focused on how well we look. And is that the real true measure as to how well somebody is doing as they move into that part of their life? Well, a lady who certainly believes that age bestows great benefit is Barbara Scully, author of Wise Up, which is all about power, wisdom and the older woman. And she joins us on the line now this morning. Uh, good morning to you, Barbara. How are you feeling today? Good. I'm good, thank you, Brian, and thank you for having me on. Well, vigour and energy and positivity and power all sort of add together, don't they? They give people that sort of zest, that element of sexiness, maybe, as we move into certain parts of our life where maybe we don't think we should feel sexy. Do you know what, Brian? I actually, I mean, I'm trying to watch my language here now because there's a word I usually use here that I can't use now, but I honestly couldn't give a flying we get where uh, you're going Barbara do you know where I'm going Um, about being sexy or about um, being attractive to other people as long as I am happy with myself that's all that matters and that is one of the great freedoms and there are many freedoms getting older uh, particularly for women but that is one of the great ones Mm. that you actually stop worrying so much about what other people think of you and women and girls learn very early on that we are judged primarily on how we look from the time we are you know very very young we know that no matter what we achieve in life if we manage to look hot or sexy or cute or whatever it is society thinks that we should look while we're doing it then we've added an awful lot of value to it Mm. and i'm 61 now and ever since i turned 40 i started to care a little bit less and turning 60 i realized actually the only person that i'm worried about pleasing as regards how i look or how i present myself is myself I actually couldn't care less about uh, Barbara, else. I mean, I'm sure you're you're concerned about how your husband might think of how you look. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. And he looks like a bag of ham. So, you know, <laughs> he hasn't got a leg to stand on when it comes to it. And he doesn't notice, bless him. I mean, honestly, I, I could, you know, I'd have to do something mega radical for him to do. Now, I love him to bits. But uh, no, um, I, I don't. I know he thinks I'm great anyway. So that's fine. <laughs> yeah, you, um, you got there already. But, yeah, but no, there's, a... there's loads of freedoms to being older, and that's one of them. Um, and there's a myriad of, of other ones, particularly, I think, uh, for women. And I mean, one of the main ones, and one of the main reasons I wrote the book is because of all this, which I welcome, all this conversation about menopause that, that's now around at the moment, um, which is great because I'm old enough to remember when menopause was kind of referred to in whispers as a change, and nobody really yeah. explained what it was all about. Now we know, and that's great. But I worry that the conversation has become extremely negative uh, and it's not balanced by the biggest message about menopause, which is, and I'll try not to shout this, it's temporary. It doesn't last forever. It's a gateway. And once you get through the other side of menopause, it is fantastic because the biggest freedom you have as a woman is your freedom from your biology, which you haven't had 
since you were about 12. Yeah, so um, you, you've sort of regressed to being a child then, Barbara, in terms of your approach to life. And I mean that in a positive way. I mean, Absolutely. it's you know, when we were kids, we didn't... Give, oh, I nearly said bad language there as well. We didn't give a flying either. <laughs> um, but now that we're, you know, oh, yeah, I've got to look a certain way. I've got, oh, God. Once that passes, yeah. you find yeah. you, feel, you found that sort of powerful and liberating, have you? And that's a really good point, because I have found now that who I am now is very close to the girl I was in my kind of mid to late teens, like when I was coming up to leaving school. And I feel the same way about life. My children are grown. Now, two of them are still at home and probably <laughs> will be for the next God knows how long. But anyway, I don't, they, you know, the hands-on parenting is done. They don't need me there looking at them, making their dinners. I mean, I will if I'm there, but if I'm not, that's fine. They're not going to starve. Um, so that I am now at the point of saying, okay, I've got another maybe 20, 25 years, maybe if I'm really lucky. What am I going to do with those years? As long as I remain healthy and energetic, I can now do whatever the hell I like. I have laid down all of the titles that I had. In other words, I'm no longer an act. I'm still their parent, obviously, but I'm no longer actively parenting. I'm no longer a daughter in an active sense. My parents are both gone. I'm no longer, you know, whatever I did in the past for a living, I'm lying down, I've laid down, I'm now a writer, and I'm reinventing myself, and I'm loving it. Mm. And it feels very like how it felt when you were coming up to leaving school and you kind of felt, genie, I can be whatever it is, whatever I want to be. The world's my oyster. I can do whatever I want. Except now you have uh, the other thing, which is great, which is you're no longer afraid of failing because by the time you get to my age, you'll have failed a number of times. <laughs> you're still here. So, you know, that's great. Um, so it's, you have this kind of confidence or this kind of like, yeah, I'm not really too bothered yeah. whether I fail. I'll give it a shot. And as well as that, then you have what I call the doomsday clock ticket in the background. You know, the clock that goes, all right, Scully, if you want to do something, you kind of have to start doing it now because you might run out of road before you ever get around to doing it. And that's a great motivator as well. It's a great so powerful place great. to be in, Barbara, isn't it? I mean, because of the fact that's that you've fantastic. got that sort of, I don't really care what you think because yeah. I'm going to do yeah. what I'm planning on doing. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, I still don't give a flying. You've summed it up absolutely in a nutshell. That is exactly it. And I mean, I don't believe that, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't want to hurt anybody along the way. I'm not going to kind of abandon people along the way. But this is my time. Yeah. And I think for women in particular, um, we have we devote so much time to we spend so many decades, especially when we have children, worrying about what we do and how it will affect the people around us, whether it's elderly parents or your children or perhaps your husband. I'm now at the stage of saying, this is my time now. And whereas I'm not going to hopefully hurt anybody or abandon anybody, uh, and they, my family all support me, is that I am now going to do the kind of things that I want to do just for myself. And that was the message I wanted to get out to women, is that, you know, it is a powerful place. And society is real busy telling us to mind our wrinkles and our lines and our menopause. All that is just baloney. Yeah, yeah it is. No, not the menopause stuff. Some of the menopause <laughs> stuff is very But no. the lines and the wrinkles and all the rest is absolute baloney. And women need to kind of realise it doesn't matter. Stop worrying about over there and, and that stuff over there. That's only to sell your product. Look <laughs> at yourself. If you're healthy and you're well, make the most of your postmenopausal years because they are delicious. Barbara, I have to say you're making it sound absolutely fantastic. I sort of wish I was a postmenopausal woman myself now this morning, <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Um, but listen, I know I know you're under time pressure. I think I've gone through the menopause. <laughs> 
No, no, not not yet, not yet. Um, listen, I, I know you're under time pressure because you are in Bray. You're um, heading out that way because of the fact that the funeral cortege for um, Sinead O'Connor is going to pass yeah. along Bray Seafront in about half an hour. Um, what's what she meant to you? Why are you out there this morning? Oh, do you know something? I have never been moved the way that I am with her death. I mean, you know, people, famous people have died. People I've admired um, in all walks of life. But Sinead O'Connor was a few years younger than me. But to me, she was one of the most, and I've always said this, I have spent years defending Sinead O'Connor when people thought, yeah, she's a bit mad or she's a bit this or she's a bit that. I always thought she was, number one, a wonderful artist. Nobody could interpret a song like Sinead O'Connor. Very few people have a voice that can make the hair stand up on the back of your neck like the mm. way Sinead O'Connor did when she could sing a cappella, um, whether it's an old Irish traditional song or it's one of her own songs or whatever. I just thought she was fantastic. But she was also the kind of woman I think is great. She was a bolshy woman who spoke her truth and who was courageous and brave and she paid a huge price for doing that a number of times. So all of that is is to me uh, she was somebody really special so yeah I'm hopefully going to I'm, I'm on the outskirts of Bray at the moment and I'm going to try and make my way down to the sea but purely just to be there and to pay my respect so that her family and her children in particular know that Ireland really did you know I think sometimes we weren't great at showing it but she was somebody special I think history will record her as being somebody very important and I'm glad about that and I'm really sorry she's gone because I would have loved to have seen what she would have got up to <laughs> You can uh, only imagine. You can only imagine. Barbara Scully, author of uh, Wise Up, it's it's all about power, wisdom, and the older woman. So much so um, that I think I'm going to join you this morning. Um, I was going to say something that didn't sound right, but I do actually thinking about it, mean it this way. Um, Enjoy passing on your regards to Sinead O'Connor on, on, on Brave Front this morning. I think it's an important thing that you're doing and uh, hopefully I look forward to speaking to you again. Take care Lovely joining Brian. us this morning. Thanks, That's Barbara Scully, author um, of uh, Wise Up, which is all about, as I said, power, wisdom and uh, the older woman. It's uh, eight minutes to 11 o'clock. We'll be back with you in just a moment. KCL or Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. Welcome back to KCLR Live. It is six minutes to 11 o'clock. News at 11 is on the way. Um, I thought I'd play a piece of music for you this morning from Take That. I've been enjoying watching a documentary on pop music over the weekend. It's on Netflix. I'll tell you about that later in the week. But here they are with Everything Changes. Awesome, take that with everything changes, bringing us up to three, two and a half minutes to 11 o'clock, if you want to be really precise. Kirsty has been on, she said, hi Brian, I'm the opposite. And what she's talking about is the piece we were talking about there a few moments ago, Barbara Scully, author, talking about feeling empowerment and not really caring anymore as she's a postmenopausal woman. Well, Kirsty says she's the opposite. She fusses more over her face and her hair than she did when she was younger. I've never been seen dead without makeup on. I agree, not having periods is great liberation, she says. Well, I'm sure it is, and uh, each to their own, as they say, each to their own. News at 11 o'clock is on the way. KCLR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. 
Thanks, Ashling. Yeah, a quick one for you, right? Two thirds, and you'll get the reason why I'm asking you this question okay. in a moment, right? So don't panic. Not <laughs> difficult. Two thirds of young people um, have bought goods online because of the effect of influencers. Now, which which one of the thirds are you? Are you one of the two thirds that have, or one of the one thirds that haven't? I wouldn't have no. You wouldn't have no. no. Why? Just because you don't trust influencers, or because no. you don't spend time on social media? I or? wouldn't really be like the biggest social media person ever. Like I do have social media, but I like I'm aware that they're there to sell a product and that's their job. So I feel like, you know, things can come across a certain way online, and we can be tricked into purchasing things that maybe we don't really need in our lives, and we're yeah. kind of filling our homes with rubbish that we don't need. Essentially. Oh, you so you're in you're in the one third that haven't. Interestingly, it says uh, almost half, forty three percent of twenty five to thirty four. You're probably not even in that bracket. No. Oh, there's no point in speaking to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm glad to see you've got a bit of sense about you. So you would make your purchasing decisions based on whether or whether you do or do not need the yeah. product as opposed to whether or mm-hmm. whether it's not, it's been... Um, pushed yeah I think especially with clothes I think with like fashion trends people jump on kind of like micro trends and they'll what's online especially what's on TikTok they see people wearing certain trends they buy those clothes and in like a month's time they're out of like fashion again so I just think like you know buy stuff you actually need and you actually want I don't buy fashionable clothes at all yeah. No yeah. comment. Yeah. No. Thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me being nice to you. Yeah. Ashley Bolton-Dell and we shall talk to you again at twelve o'clock. There's no comment. Doesn't that what the politicians say to somebody when they're actually, uh, you know, wants to be nasty to them, but they haven't got the uh, kahunas to be nasty? No comment. She says eleven oh six. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See Fairgreen. Yes, you're welcome back to KCLR Live. It's seven minutes past eleven. I'll give you another little listen to our mystery sound for this morning in a few moments' time. And around about 25 past eleven, our own Edwina Grace has been talking to young people about their interaction uh, with the arts. You know, the German government have come up with a fabulous initiative to encourage people who have been stuck at home during the pandemic um, coming up and celebrating their 18th birthday. I'll tell you about that and how it's connected to the piece that Edwina did for us. That's coming your way around about 25 past eleven. And then around about 25 to, to 12, Tim Butler from uh, telling us about the Osri Bridge. Are they going to manage to save those panels or not? We shall find out. Um, it's uh, 11.07. Text and WhatsApp lines are open as always. 083-306-9696. But now, on a Tuesday morning, it's time to do this. It's a dog's life. With Samantha Rawson. Samantha Rawson, you're very welcome along to KCLR Live. I was very disappointed when they said Samantha Rawson's not on the show this morning. I was like, oh, they said, but she's on the phone. Yay! Oh. How are you keeping? <laughs> I'm good, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm busy catching up on office work, Brian, so I can't be with you in person, but I'll see you next week. Yeah, please, God, look forward to seeing you next week. Listen, I mean, one of the stories that I was keeping an eye on um, on the KCLR apps and websites and all the social media stuff over the last couple of weeks, these, uh, I think it was 12 puppies abandoned up a mountain. Leinster, is that right? Oh God, yeah. Sure, there's always dogs being abandoned. Um, yeah, things things aren't getting any better as far as animal welfare is concerned in this country. Things are getting worse, mm. um, and unfortunately, to some people, dogs are disposable, or animals in general are disposable. I don't want it anymore, so I'll just get rid of it. Yeah, um, yeah, it's so terrible, yeah, isn't it? Horrible. I mean, um, I, like, what I don't get is like we're always talking about the, the various different. Um, centres and homes and stuff like that that you can bring dogs and cats and that to. Why yeah. go to the hassle of driving all the way up to the top of Mount Leinster to to abandon 
12 puppies when this this I mean obviously the, the homes don't want to be taking them in but that they're prepared to do the work if if it needs to be yeah, done well, well I suppose maybe they don't want to be questioned or or you know they don't want to, to deal with people or have to explain themselves so so maybe it's it's anonymous mm. to dump them you know what I mean because it's all anonymous whereas if you bring a dog to a shelter maybe some details might be taken or they need some you know, the more information they have about the dogs, then the, the better it is to, to rehome them. And just on the shelters in general, sorry, just on the shelters in general at the moment, is it, is there, are there a lot of dogs, or have we gotten over that sort of hump post-pandemic no, when we've, no? No, no, they're still, still inundated. And, and unfortunately, no matter how much I say it, and everybody says it, people are still buying dogs from disreputable people, whether they be, Unlicensed puppy farmers or licensed puppy farmers, personally, I don't see a difference. Um, anybody who breeds dogs for money is, is, you know, not a nice person as far as I'm concerned. I oh, really? You, you, you go that far, you don't think we should be breeding dogs for financial gain at all? No, no. They're, 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 I mean, the, the, the term puppy farm, Brian, is, is equated with, you know, farm animals that are bred for the place. You know, so you're producing companion animals in the same kind of conditions with, with like high profit margins. So it's all about, you know, low, low personal investment, low time. So you're feeding them out of troughs, you're putting them in sheds. There's no personal contact. There's no nurturing. There's no care. There's no nothing. The mothers are stressed. So the puppies are born stressed. And then you're selling these animals to a family. And, and so, some people are buying dogs where they, they might have a young child who has some kind of social difficulties, whether that be learning or otherwise, or maybe they're just an only child or maybe they've recently bereaved, for whatever reason. There are all sorts of people, reasons why people buy dogs, but you're buying a family companion from those kind of conditions. So you're at a disadvantage from the get-go. Everybody is. The dog is, you are, you know, the, the vets are, I am, everybody is. So, so I would beg people, please, if you're looking for a family dog, get your dog from a family. Buy it that from a family who loves it, who loves the parents, who maybe it's an accidental mating, but they love the dog and they care about the dog and they care about you and your family. These people who produce dogs for money don't give a toss about the dog and they certainly don't give a toss about you or your family. There's a lot of them out there, though. I mean, I mean, like that would... Let's push you a little bit on this, Samantha, right? We've never had a head-to-head yeah. yet. We've always chummy-chummy when we're together. Mm. Is that going to mean, though, that people are going to be put out of business or do you not care? You just listen, people I, don't, who I don't give a toss if people are put out of business. I went to see a guy in Kilkenny and he was producing well over 200 dogs and he, he lived by himself, right? This was a man by himself and he was a licensed puppy farmer. He had a lovely shed out the front where he meets the public and it all looks lovely and there's all flowers outside. But what the public didn't realise that he has sheds behind that lovely garden shed full of dogs and when I went to see him you know, I looked at one of this dog and I said, what's that supposed to be? And he said, that's a Westie, right? This, this thing was a mutt. And I said, that's a Westie? I said, if that's a Westie, I'm the Queen of England. <laughs> well, he lost the plot and nearly threw me out of the place. And then he wanted me to give him a certificate to say that I had been out to see his place and that it was all above board because he was required by the council to do this. And I said, I am sorry, I am not giving you anything with my name written on it to endorse what you're doing. I said, how much money does one man need to make? I said, you live by yourself. You have no children. You have no spouse. How much money do you need to make? And he went, oh, Jesus, no, that's none of your business. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I walked out there. I came home. I got into a bath. I put my, sh- my boots and shoes in a bucket. I did not bring the 
you know, the, my shoes into my own property because of the amount of feces I'd walked through in his establishment. And he was selling dogs to the public who I then later met in my puppy classes and was able to say, I know exactly where that dog came from. And he was licensed, Brian. He was licensed by the council. But who li- so the, the council licensed the, 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 the breeders then, yeah? Yeah. So, so this is government. This is government endorsed. And their argument is that at least if we license them, then we can close them down. Well, that to me is poppycock. Why are they being licensed in the first place? Yeah. I mean, the legislation talks about 200 breeding bitches. Brian, I have eight dogs, and sometimes I mind dogs. At the moment, there are 14 dogs in this house. There isn't 24 hours in a day to look after 200 dogs. No, not a chance. Like, I mean, like, I mean... Looking after, looking after dogs is like looking after children. Can you imagine asking one person to look after 200 children? I wouldn't look after two children. I've got two of my own, and I try try to get away from them every chance I get, to be quite honest with you. So there is no way these dogs are getting the basic care that they need, never mind human interaction, and they're being sold as family pets. So when they're licensed, when these breeders are licensed, Samantha, what sort of requirements are there on them in terms of... I mean, you've referenced children, right? And we always talk about the similarities between raising puppies and raising children, and, you know, it, it is quite commonsensical but you couldn't run a crash and sort of say well I'm going to have 200 kids in the crash and it's just me here on my own I mean so what restrictions are there on puppy farms in terms of the number of puppies that that can be housed per square metre if you wanted to look at it that way I don't exactly know the the requirements but I know from an animal welfare point of view as long as a dog has food and water and shelter they're considered to be well looked after So, so you know ISPCA inspectors will go out to a place where a dog is tied up and even if it has a kennel and it has water and it's food, the SPCA can do nothing about it, even though that dog is what I would consider and other people would consider being held in horrible conditions. So, so puppy farmers who are housing and feeding their dogs and that, you know, maybe they're being, they're being cleaned. But, like, you know, there aren't enough inspectors to go and inspect these guys. I went to see another puppy farm further down in South Kilkenny, and the lady brought me out a cavalier and I said to her, you know, what's this dog's name? And she kind of went, uh, 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 Penny. And I said, what breed of dog is this? And she went, uh, 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 it's a spaniel. She didn't even know the breed of dog she was producing. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So, so these people are puppy farmers because they treat these animals like farm stock and there's no relationship, there's no care, there's no nothing. However, these dogs are not ending up on a plate, they're ending up in people's homes. Mm. And is it possible, Samantha, do you believe... All these pop- dogs have problems. Is it possible, Samantha, do you believe to breed dogs for... I'm trying to find the right words. Is it possible to breed dogs for commercial reasons in a manner that's good, fit and proper? Or do you think the, do you think the finance will always take over and they'll always try and, you know, squeeze an extra few puppies in here or there? No, personally, I don't think it's possible because... I bred a litter of pups um, a year ago. Rascal is one of the pups that I bred that everybody knows about. Now, I had six puppies, and again, that was nearly a 24-hour day job because those puppies need to be attended to every three mm. hours. So, so if you have our commercial breeder and you're breeding, I don't know, let's say 20 puppies, so maybe you have three bitches and they all have six puppies each. So, you know, that's what, 18 pups. Mm. So, but you would still need two or three staff to look after those pups. You know, rearing dogs is a time-consuming business. So unless you're prepared to pay staff to sit down and look after them all, and, and people aren't because the, the biggest cost in any business is staff, so people aren't prepared to pay it, and, and dogs can't speak, so they're a bit like children. 
they can't tell what horrendous conditions they've been in. So these people get away with murder because there's, that nobody can speak up on behalf of the dogs. Do you know what I mean? Nobody can speak up on behalf of children. So it's always the voiceless who suffer in our society because people will exploit them. And can you can you tell me what a utopia would look like to you, Samantha, in terms of the breeding of dogs? Would you say it's a situation whereby it's purely accidental breeding, you know, through well, family back to pets? The good old days, Brian, when when yeah, an accidental breeding. I don't believe in neutering everything, by the way. So, so accidental breeding. Where but hasn't that possibly got... led to the situation that we're in now? That this. Yes. yes, Brian, you raise a very important point because. Even though, you know, we have a very bad reputation and, you know, dogs still walk around country roads and all the rest of it. But what happened is in our in our urge to control the amount of unwanted dogs, we've actually gone the other way and we've neutered all the good dogs. The dogs with good temperaments, the dogs with good genetics, the dogs with, you know, good family bonds, the good old fashioned mongrel that we all grew up with. They're now all being neutered. So now people want pedigrees or they now want the crossbreeds. So, so the puppy farmers have exploited the yeah. situation. And now the rescues, their criteria is too high because they won't give a dog to anybody. So their criteria is too high. So they're forcing people then to go and buy a dog. Yeah, it's funny because we were talking to somebody this morning, Samantha, criteria. who was saying just that. I mean, she, would lo- she actually has a dog. I won't say... Yeah. But she went and bought that dog when she actually yeah. wanted to go and and rehome a dog um, from one of the shelters. Now this person has has yeah. has, a, has a has a life has has a job. I have yeah. no doubt in my dealings with this person that they would have made a very good parent, and I'll use that word yeah. uh, for that dog. But no, no, you, you're you're living at home on your own. You've 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 got to leave the house for work. Not yeah. not going to you. Not not a chance. So she was then forced, yeah. not forced, but she then made a decision she didn't really want to make, which was to go out. Yeah. and buy a dog. Yeah, so the, so the rescues, their criteria has gone too high and I can understand why their criteria is so they need to look at that because they are then forcing people to purchase a dog. So for me, a family with an accidental breeding having a dog or the good old-fashioned pedigree breeders who are passionate about the breed itself. So pedigree breeders that used to be registered or, or are registered with the Irish Kennel Club and that was the old-fashioned way of buying a pedigree dog, that you went to somebody who was passionate and knowledgeable about the breed. Yeah. What's happening now is people are producing dogs who don't care about dogs, who have no knowledge of dogs, so they don't know what they need in the first place, and then they don't care about the dog, so they'll sell the dog to anybody. Yeah, so it's interesting we were talking about... The criteria is... Sorry, Brian, just to finish yeah. this point, if you're looking for a dog, if anybody out there is thinking of getting a dog, we, I was taught this on a course many years ago, and it makes perfect sense. You ring up the the breeder or the seller and you pretend to be the worst possible owner you could possibly be (laughs) right so you say I live on you know the 10th floor of an apartment block I have no garden I work you know I'm a doctor I work 12 hour shifts you know so you basically let on that this dog is get to get no attention or no care whatsoever and if they're prepared to sell you a dog you hang up the phone yeah Good, 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 good tactic. That I have to say, it makes sense. You can see why um, that would weed out the responsible breeders from the yeah. irresponsible ones. We were talking about Nutrin a couple of moments ago. Um, Text has been on. She's, um, a caller on pension needs to get the dog neutered. Vet, the vet is charging two hundred and seven euros. Uh, can you ask Samantha? Is there a cheaper solution to Nutrin, or is is that what the standard price is? <laughs> 270 seems a lot. I mean, that sounds like it might be a large breed. Sometimes the price is according to the amount of anaesthetic that the dog will need. Okay. Um, so the Blue Cross, I know, do um, subsidised neutering 
um, and there are other organisations that do subsidise neutering. But if it's that, if it's down, I would imagine that's a large dog. Okay. So, um, so you said Blue so Cross do subsidised neutering. Yeah, the Blue Cross do subsidised neutering, as does Dog Trust. Right. Um, most of the rescues will do subsidised neutering. Okay. And what um, would a subsidised so neutering for, for a medium-sized dog roughly cost, Samantha? I, I have no idea, Brian, because okay. all, it all varies according to the size of the dog. Um, but as far as I know, you need to be on some kind of social welfare, um, you know. So somebody who's on a pension to, might be able to avail yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I would maybe talk to the vet, see if you can do a payment plan, but then maybe get on to some of the, the um, rescues like Dogs Trust or the Blue Cross and see if, if they can help you. Yeah, and I like that advice about pretending to be the worst possible owner you could be and ringing up yeah. the, uh, the, the, the the homes or the shelters or the breeders yeah. or whatever it is before you go on. It's a good piece of advice. One last question for you before I let you go, Samantha. Caller agrees. Um, dogs are like children and should be treated like them. Very clever animals. Well, you're all saying that, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, well, I don't like... They are like children in that they have the same needs as children, but they are not children. That's one of my points as well, mm. that sometimes people expect dogs to behave like children, and they're not. They're dogs, they're animals, they have their own needs and desires, and they behave in a certain way. Um, so, so, you know, there are an awful lot of similarities, but remember, they are not the same. And the, the mistake people make is they expect too much from a young dog. So say you've got a nine-month-old dog, and people expect them to be really well behaved and and they almost equate them to like okay well you know i can i can rationalize to my three-year-old why we can't go to the pictures or whatever and i expect the dog to be able to rationalize to the same level they can't yeah yeah um, so so just be mindful they are not little people they are dogs uh, Samantha Rawson, as always, as you're talking, you're great to hear you so, um, so pa- well, you're always passionate about yeah, dogs. You didn't, but get, you didn't get me started, Brian. I get, I get very passionate when I talk about welfare yeah. and, you know, puppy farmers. I mm. get very, very ignited. That's why we have you on the show. Samantha Rawson, looking forward to seeing you in person next week. Samantha Rawson, as always, our dog's expert here on KCLR Live. It's a dog's life with Samantha Rawson. Yeah, lots of texts and WhatsApps coming in. Um, thank you for them all. Some lovely messages, 83 9696 um, Also somebody saying, can you please wish a very happy birthday to the best auntie in the world, Mary Clark, with lots of love from Arlene, Cameron and Kai. We've got some other birthday wishes coming in as well. I'll read you out some of them just after uh, this little break. KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie. KCLR. 25 minutes past 11 o'clock exactly this morning. Don't forget John Keane coming your way between 12 and 4. He's got lots of great music, as always. I believe around about 12.30, all of the IBI stations across the country are going to be playing a special tribute to Sinead O'Connor. So do stay tuned for that coming your way a little bit later on this afternoon. Um, I wanted to give you one more go to try and pick up some money this bank holiday Tuesday morning. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at Lahart's Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahart's.ie. And I do know there's no such thing technically as a bank holiday Tuesday morning. It's only a bank holiday Monday, but you get what I mean. It's the Tuesday after the short week, four days to get the weekend. Yay! Looking forward to it. Here is the mystery sound. It's sponsored by Lahart's. It's asking to identify something that you can hear. Right, so get your ears open. We've got a lot of guesses in for this one so far this morning already. Um, it's worth 100 euros. <laughs> Thank you. 
I think that one could go quite quickly. Mm. If you can identify, if you can tell me what that is, 083 306 9696. That is what I'm asking you to tell us in. It's worth 100 euros, all sponsored by La Hearts, supporting and celebrating their range of electric ID vehicles. The Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahearts.ie. 26 minutes past 11 o'clock, we're going to take some music from this man, Niall Horan. It's called Heaven. That is Niall Horan with uh, Heaven at uh, 10, 11.29 here this uh, Tuesday morning. I'm just chatting to Shannon Redman. She's floating around out there. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Um, we'll talk to Shannon a little bit later on. Um, I've just been off for two weeks, so catching up with everybody in the office is always great fun. But uh, somebody who has been out and about doing her usual job as fabulously as ever is Edwina Grace, because the Director of the Arts Council, Maureen Keneally, she's expressed concern that young people are not attending plays, art exhibitions and other cultural performances as much as they were pre-pandemic. Now, one of the reasons for this, she suggests, is because of the cost. So we wondered if the introduction of a culture pass, now I'll explain what that is in a moment, it's a bit like one recently introduced in Germany, would help in this regard. Young Germans, as it happens, right, it's also happened in other parts of Europe, they get this thing called a culture pass. When they turn 18, they get a €200 Euro voucher from the government to go and spend on cultural events. Um, I suppose it's a bit like, happy birthday, go and enjoy some culture, and here it is, paid for by the government. They call it a culture pass, spelled with a K, as the Germans often do with things that sound that way. Um, but is it a good idea? Would it work well here? Well, Edwina Grace has been out speaking to people to find out. That's the lure of a proposed grant to Irish teens on their 18th birthday. If it goes ahead, it could see €200 made available for an introductory spend on arts events. Such a scheme's popular in Germany, but would it work here? Well, personally, concerts and all that type of stuff isn't really my scene, but if it's being subsidised for me, it would definitely be something to have a look at and get involved in. So it might entice you to check something out that maybe you you wouldn't normally get involved in? Yeah, definitely. I'd say that. Do you think it's something the Irish government might go ahead with? Uh, That's kind of a... uh, I don't really know. Yeah, see how it goes. Yeah. And what do you think? Um, I think it'd be very interesting if they do go ahead with it. Um, I've only been to a few concerts and it like it is type of my type of scene, so I do like it. So it would be nice to get that, but I feel like they might not go ahead with it at, yeah. at all. I don't think it'd be their type of thing to do. But yeah, I'd definitely go to more concerts or even musicals. I haven't been to a musical yet, so I might put it more so towards theatre kind of uh, side of arts, I guess. No, I actually love musicals. <laughs> I just haven't had like time or money. Like the ones I want to go to, it's just there are not times I can't go or they're too expensive to go to because the tickets could be like nearly a hundred quid for some of them, and I'm like, oh god, I don't want to spend that much money. I love con- like I love theatre and all that, but I was like, I don't want to spend that much money on it. But it might entice me. It's so. not a priority for you. Yeah, exactly. So I have more stuff to worry about than musicals, but I definitely would like to go to one anyway. Would that mean? money so yeah what do you think of a, a 200 euro grant uh, for people on their 18 birthdays to spend at concerts and and get involved in the arts yeah i think that'd be good because they'll be able to do what they want then they'll be able to go places what do you think they might choose to do if they had it oh i don't know what would you do with it 
go to a concert or something. You'd enjoy that. Yeah. So what do you think of this idea? It'll be following in the German footsteps of the, the, I think it's called the Culture Pass, where the Irish government would give a 200 euro voucher to teens in Ireland when they turn 18 to be spent on getting involved in the arts. Um, well, I think it's important to get involved with the arts. Um, I studied an arts degree myself and I think we need to further fund the arts. Otherwise, you know, what are people supposed to do on the weekend? You know, people go to theatre or go to concerts. That doesn't happen overnight. You know, we need to support these people and support art and support artists. And not everyone is introduced to the arts at a young age. Uh, for a lot of people, it might seem a little bit alien. They may not be um, too eager to spend their money on something that they're not too sure about but if they had 200 euro in their pocket to try something new um, it might be worth it. Yeah I mean I didn't start going to concerts until I was about 17 you know couldn't afford it and then when I could I, I wanted to go to every concert so it'd be nice I think for for teenagers to kind of get involved with concerts because we all listen to music you know yeah. and we all want to see our favorite artists live. Literally me I saw my I'm turning 25 I saw my last first concert in November like literally plus the fact that like 200 euro I'll be like able to like especially little kids growing up now like they'll be able to go support like their favourite productions especially if like it's by a minority group or like an LGBT group or something like that like Rock Harry Picture Show for instance like if it was like a school setting up you'd be able to support it itself and can I ask you what took you so long to get to a, a concert? I've never had the money like I know like I have like uh, five siblings I grew up in a house of eight like I literally had no money and it was her like my friend like who brought me along and now since then I've seen the Lumineers I've seen Florence Machine I'm seeing Noel Kane Hosier I'm seeing Taylor Swift next year like like literally like once you see one you, you want to see more and I think if it had started up from a younger age I would have been way into it like yeah. like yeah and is there anything you would use this grant for in particular? Probably the Rocker Her Picture Show. I've always wanted to see it, and it's always been Dublin, and just trying to get to Dublin and get time off work and like all that. But yeah, I definitely see like it's a queer production. I think yeah. it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be good. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think I'd love to see Rocky Horror, or even just going to maybe a concert that's a bit more out of my budget. Um, you know, like the likes of Paramore were here in January, and they were quite expensive. Or um, Bring Me the Horizon, they were so, they were quite expensive as well. So I definitely would have. I'd like to have the funds for them. <laughs> and would you think of trying something completely different like poetry or something that might be a little bit more out there? Um, there was the writing festival here in, I think it was Birth. June or July or something like that. And I, I really wanted to go to that, but again, didn't have the funds over the summer because my grant was cut off in May. So mm -hmm. something like that even would have been really interesting to go to and yeah. support you know, other writers in the area as well. I like the spoken word pop-ups that are in pubs. Mm -hmm. They're fascinating. But, like you need funds to know to take time off work and travel to them and all like that. But like I'd be very interested in doing that. Yeah, young people in the arts. Shannon Redmond is here. She, are you an artsy sort of person, Shannon? I love that you're calling me young. Oh, well, you are. You're definitely young. You're going to stay with us. And after the break, we'll be talking about arts. You know, 200 euros from the government. That'd be nice for a, a weekend session, wouldn't grand. it? It'd keep you going, wouldn't it? Yeah, I don't think they meant it to be used for that type of thing. Stay with us. 11.36 here on KCLR Live. KCLR Live. With thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo. With a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC Cinema. See fairgreen.ie. 
KCLR. Hey, welcome back to KCLR Live. It's 23 minutes to 12 o'clock. I'm joined in studio by Shannon Redmond. She's not my niece, as we always say. No, when we're Good morning, Shannon. Good morning, Brian. Listen, this um, culture pass, you know, young people engaging in the arts and things like that. You're a young person, despite the fact that you protest to the difference. <laughs> um, but you're certainly younger than most of us. Um, young people in Germany, right, when they turn 18, they get this 200 euros culture pass which should be made available to all 18-year-olds. And it's two aims. It's to encourage young adults to experience live culture and to drop the stay-at-home pandemic habits that they've all picked up. If I was to give you, not that I'm going to, if I was to give you 200 euros now to go and spend on something troll, what would you like to go and do? But see, this is the thing, right? I feel like if it was 200 euro cash they were giving them, it would never be spent on something cultural. It's not cash. I'd have a brand new wardrobe. And I'd be yeah. like, thanks, Brian. Yeah. Really appreciate so, that. Uh, they, but they're not giving them cash. They're giving them, obviously, like vouchers some, or It's got to be some sort of vouchers. Like, you were up at Ballykeefe recently, okay? Yes, you hosted yes. a fabulous event up at Ballykeefe. Not just hosting it for KCLR, you were also on stage hosting the actual event. <laughs> How <laughs> big a star are you? Um, Lyra up there performing. Do you think something like that should be classified as a cultural event? So if they want to go along and see Lyra in concert, they could spend on that. I think so, definitely. And you said it was something about live culture or something you were saying there a few minutes ago in that reading. I think concerts, do you want to say, say you can't buy back the memories. That's yeah. what I say. So I think definitely concerts or I had an electric picnic. That's one of the biggest festivals in Ireland. So now, okay, now that's pushing it a bit. Oh, no, I think so. Well, people my age. So you be. so you think that if if you were given a 200 euro culture pass that you, people like yourself should be allowed to spend on to electric picnic? Yeah, I think really? so. It's huge. It's absolutely oh, it huge. It might be huge, but is it culture? I think it's associated with Ireland, yeah. And it's like the, it's one of the biggest festivals in Ireland. What do you, wait, what do you think is the biggest festival in Ireland then? If I'm you sure, had, no, I, I've no doubt Electric Picnic is, if not the, certainly one of the yeah. biggest festivals. I'm just not so sure whether if we gave, you know, 18-year-olds 200 euro vouchers hmm. that were meant to encourage them to engage with culture. Okay, I see where you're coming from. And then they that, go to Lesh Picnic. Yeah, what yeah. are they going to be doing? They're going to be looking for the shift the whole weekend, probably out of their faces one way or the other, enjoying themselves, doing what electric picnic and, yeah. you know, that. It's not the same though, is it? I, I can see where you're coming from from that end. But then, Jeffrey, actually, and I never do them, and I'm raging that I never do them, the tours, the historic tours of the country, mm-hmm. I would love to do. I actually wanted to go up to Kilmainham Jail um, last week. Never done week. it? Never done it. Tried to book it for over the bank holiday weekend. Do you know what you need? What do I need? Kids. The reason I say that is because, like you, I wouldn't have done a huge amount of that type of stuff until it's like, oh, it's the weekend again, isn't that great? Oh, we well, do yeah, yeah. something with the kids. Yeah. Um, so we've done Kilmainham Jail, fabulous tour. I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Something like maybe something like that then. Maybe something like the historic tours. Dublin you can Castle. Learn. Never done that one. Dickie Kenny Castle. Yeah, one. that one was very interesting. Well. Yeah. Love that. I love history and I love the history behind things. But that would fall in part. So mm. if you were given two hundred euros, you would get value out of it. You wouldn't necessarily be going to art exhibitions but you'd go to historic sites and love that yeah okay so there you go it would work for you I've one other question for you before we go, go um, it's a little survey that we're doing here on KCLR it's, it's <laughs> relation to influencers go on okay I asked, I asked Ashling Bolting Dowling uh, a little bit earlier on in the newsroom um, two thirds of young people say that their online purchases are affected by the powers of influencers um, would you be affected by the powers of influencers on social media Oh, a thousand percent. A thousand. So you. I, I see. I don't like to admit it, but I do for sure. Everything yeah. I have, I'm like, here, this girl was using this, or this person was using this, and it looked great. But sure, look. I Is do that it a, anyway? Yeah, two thirds. So you're definitely in that firm camp where you believe that, uh, that you, these people have power. 
I probably make up the majority of it. No, honestly, <laughs> every single thing. Yeah, Shannon Redmond is the two thirds. Well, I'm actually a little bit in that camp myself now because I bought that thing I've got on my wrist. It's a, it's a fitness tracker for those that can't see what it actually is. Because Rory McIlroy was wearing one. I tell you. You see, there He's you go. Fitness fiddle. You might be fit as a fiddle then, isn't it? Yeah, it's not. It's not. Uh, it's not quite doing what it was supposed to do just <laughs> yet. But there you go. Shannon Redmond, appreciate you always joining us here in studio. Shannon Redmond, uh, you can hear her at the weekends. Are you on on air this weekend? I am indeed. At Saturday night party. <laughs> Saturday night party, six till eight. Yeah, looking forward to it. Shannon, thank you very much for joining us. She would definitely be one of those people who would appreciate having um, a 200 euros culture pass, as the Germans have called it, to allow them to go and see and visit cultural. Shannon would be a historic type of girl. She'd be going and listening and viewing historic sites to see um, what she could learn from them. Lots more to spend on culture apart from just that. Shannon, thanks very much for joining us in the studio. She's off and about, offing on her, off on her day's work. Now, somebody else who's well into their day's work at this stage is Tim Butler, Director of Services with Kilkenny County Council. Um, and he's joining us now this morning to talk about the Austrian Bridge artwork. Good morning, Tim. How are you? morning, Brian. How are you? Listen, great pleasure as always to have you on the show. We know that we've got the work going on on Osprey Bridge. It's still got a while. I think it's end of August or September um, before the bridge's works are due to be completed. We talked about it here on the show when the work was kicking off and at that point in time um, people were raising questions about the artwork on the bridge and nobody seemed to know what was going to happen yet. Have we gotten to the bottom of it? No, and look, we would have been clear enough about it uh, from the start really. Uh, the the artwork that was put in in the '83 or '4 there, when the, when the ring road was constructed, it's part of the uh, the fabric of the bridge itself. Um, the, it was moulded uh, on the abutments itself uh, and made out with re- reinforced concrete. So it was never going to be uh, possible to retain uh, the structures themselves uh, and carry out the safety walks, which are necessary because there's uh, lots of people, I suppose, vulnerable road users, cyclists, and walkers using that bridge, and it, it's quite narrow. Uh, and does need uh, a lot of improvement. So, um, the the um, structures themselves, uh, because of the way they were constructed, had to be removed and couldn't be. Uh, none of it could be salvaged, really. Uh, but thankfully, I suppose uh, we have the moles, the original moles, uh, going back to the early eighties of of the actual uh, structures themselves. So we have been in contact with the artists. Uh, they're just uh, from the since the start of July, uh, and we will remain in contact with them and look at how best I suppose we can, I suppose. Uh, acknowledge that work uh, in another feature somewhere else throughout the, the city or county uh, in, over the coming years. So it depicts the history of Austria, I suppose, so it's very important for the history of Kilkenny itself. So it's important that we would do something to, to replicate it uh, in the future, Brian. So the actual physical concrete structures that were there are, 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 won't be able to be saved. But like, I suppose, I don't want to you know, dumb them down or any way, shape or form. It's not like they're... 2,000 years old you know it's it's not like the ancient walls of the city are being pulled down but nevertheless it's a no, recognised piece of no, work the, absolutely look at and uh, I suppose you, you have to think of the artist I suppose that was commissioned it was probably one of the first art uh, art features that was done say here in Kilkenny anyway uh, I, I, I can't say if, uh, nationally um, and it did depict the, the history of Osri itself now Osri is, a, is an ancient 
kingdom within Leinster, I suppose, they would have, and look, I'm not claiming to be a historian or anything, but I do know that uh, Ossery itself uh, was formed in uh, maybe 1 AD in yeah. and around that time uh, and uh, would have, would have I, I suppose, shaped the history of Kilkenny to a certain extent. And I know there was, uh, going back to then, there was arguments with uh, Waterford over, well, uh, over kingdoms I suppose at that stage still going on yeah so so look at for for Kilkenny people it would be ver- a very important part of their history and, and particularly anybody who's into history so it would be important that uh, I suppose that we we look at uh, somehow something appropriate into the future as well but I would say it, it's on a very busy stretch uh, of the N10 it's uh, 25 oh, in excess of 25,000 cars a day uh, and I suppose a speed limit of 100 kilometres an hour at the moment so it's not somewhere that you can go and appreciate that piece of art so mm. maybe uh, something appropriate in another area uh, would, would be better able to be appreciated by the people of Kilkenny and any visitors to Kilkenny as well so it's unfortunate uh, but the fact that the safety works have to go ahead and, and as such we're moving the road to the countryside to the Bennett's Bridge roadside uh, a, a certain amount to facilitate uh, I suppose proper uh, facilities for walkers and cyclists uh, on the on the bridge side where the footpath where that very narrow footpath is at the moment so yeah. that's that's the nature of the works themselves you know Well I think it makes sense I mean mm-hmm. the, the most important thing is that the roadway is safe and that work definitely needs to be done I mean we've so many sites across the city where they could be accommodated I mean you've got the city park the, the river walk park that type of area would be absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic I think as a location for them um, do you think the artist yeah. would be uh, amenable to the uh, pieces being recast and replaced somewhere like that? Well, look, that's something that I suppose we have a, uh, in Kilkenny here, we have a public art uh, management group and they manage any uh, artworks or any features that we're, we're going to do here in Kilkenny. And a lot of times when you're, when you're doing major works, you try and put a, a, a piece of appropriate art in that uh, I suppose... Uh, would be meaningful for the area itself and that's what would have happened here at the time as well so what we will do is we'll we'll uh, further engage with the with the artists and uh, obviously they'd be disappointed that this has to come down um, but we'll talk to them and see where we could maybe more appropriately tell the story uh, somewhere where I suppose people can appreciate that little bit better uh, and take time and review the, the actual structures because there's, yeah. there's 14 different panels in it itself depicting little different bits of the history of Ossery itself uh, so it, it is an important I suppose um, story I suppose for Kilkenny itself more than anything else Yeah of course and in terms of the general works up there at the moment Tim everything on plan on schedule? Yeah uh, well actually uh, look at it it was something that people would have commented on us uh, to their going back to June and into July as well uh, there was uh, when when the surface was planed off the bridge itself uh, an issue was was noticed with with some of the uh, supporting beams uh, which had to be remedied so that took a little while to see how best uh, I suppose to facilitate any additional works that that were required uh, and then once the consultant and the the contractor agreed those and uh, TII obviously are, are the Transport Infrastructure Ireland are the funding body here once that was agreed and they then had to do certain repairs there and let that set so they're back working I suppose full time on it now for the last uh, fortnight nearly at this stage now it will push it back uh, originally uh, they had hoped to be finished in October uh, but it will possibly push into slightly into November now so it will be we're, we're conscious that it will be a little bit of a, an inconvenience particularly when schools are back and that but uh, uh, the contractor is is doing their best I suppose to complete them in as quick a time as possible mm. and to be fair uh, they could have uh, 
put traffic lights on it, which would have really slowed up things. I think what they've done, even though it's quite narrow, it is facilitating traffic uh, to continue moving. And although there can be queues at certain times of the day, it moves through uh, relatively quickly, you know what I mean? So, yeah. and uh, I, I suppose credit to the, to the contractor uh, and uh, TAI, I suppose, they're, they're, they, they, they are managing the traffic as best they can because no, it's a, a very job. busy stretch of road. Yeah, they absolutely are doing a good job at uh, Flowers. So just to be clear, yeah. Tim, the artwork as it was on the bridge is now gone. No, uh, the it, was, it wasn't meant to be removed until September, uh, but the... the Subcontractor that uh, was going to take down the panels or uh, demolish, decommission, and, de- and, and demolish them, he became available. So the contractor took the opportunity. Uh, the ones on the countryside are gone now. The two on the countryside are gone uh, a little bit earlier than we would have expected, uh, and the other two will come down then uh, in a, about a month's time okay. as well. So they'll be de- decommissioned in about a month's time as well. Uh, but look at it's the right thing to do because it'll facilitate the works getting done that little bit quicker. Because if you're waiting for someone to come uh, and then you can't move to the other side of the road uh, until they come and, and, and take them away so uh, at least that's done now and they'll work on the, the town side then uh, next next off so uh, look at there we're, we'll be very happy with the way they're progressing at the moment uh, obviously there was that little bit of delay uh, when those uh, when the measures had to be addressed addressed on the bridge itself uh, but we're happy that they're they're back up and running and uh, on track is supposed to be finished in, in November okay. uh, at the latest we hope Tim Butler Director of Services <laughs> with Kilkenny County Councilling us all the latest slowdown not just on the artwork on the Ossery Bridge but uh, the bridge works itself thanks for joining us this morning on KCLR Live it's 9 minutes to 12 o'clock KCLR Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style see fairgreen.ie KCLR KCLR yeah it's 8 minutes to 12 o'clock and we've survived through the first day back in the chair after a couple of weeks off didn't manage to kill anybody or fire any of the wrong buttons or do anything. I think we got through it all right. Uh, time for more great music, though. Picture this with When We Were Young. In our hearts and we learned How to grow apart and it hurt That is, of course, Picture This When We Were Young. Five minutes to 12 o'clock. We were talking to Shannon Redmond a few moments ago about uh, giving 18-year-olds 200 euro vouchers to go and enjoy um, cultural events. And Shannon was talking about going to Electric Picnic. Now, she did agree with me eventually that Electric Picnic wasn't necessarily the height of culture, despite the fact it celebrates everything great musically and people go and have a fantastic weekend. Well, another Redmond, this time it's David Redmond, also not related to me, has been on to say the Pan-Celtic Festival returning for its sixth iteration in Carlow next week is far more cultural than EPI says David well I'd probably agree with you and uh, maybe if we could get 200 euros off the government we could send Shannon Redmond along to have a little look and see what she thinks of it I'm sure it will be a fabulous event but something else that we've been doing this morning um, great to have it back they managed to give away some money on Friday but I've had 100 euros to give away so far this morning with this the Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR with thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at La Hearts Volkswagen Kilkenny visit laharts.ie joining me to have a crack Shirley Jackson from Hackettstown good morning Shirley morning Brian how are you listen what are you doing on Tuesday morning at 4 minutes to 12 o'clock that we can tell us all about <laughs> trying to entertain a 2 year old and a 9 year old oh god yeah 2 year old and 9 I bet you can't wait for the 9 to get back to school can you we're bored and where are we going 
yeah. Okay, well, listen, you've been listening to us, you've been enjoying the show all morning, and uh, a little bit earlier on, I played this sound for you. God, that's enough of that. It's actually, it's actually quite, go through you, that one. <laughs> Shirley, what is that sound? A paper shredder? It is a paper shredder. Shirley Jackson, yeah. congratulations. You've just won 100 euros. You can go... Brilliant. It's a nice bonus on a Tuesday. Now, listen, are you going to spend it on the back-to-school costs we were talking about earlier on, or are you going to try and, you know, do something with the kids next week before no, they I'm all finish up? Head on a day trip. Yeah, like. yeah, 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 absolutely. Any plans as to where you'd bring them? Uh, no, I'm going to have to sit down and... decide. Yeah, yeah. What's the name? I have heard um, Emerald Park mentioned, so... Oh yeah, that's for, formerly known as Tato Park, I think, is what they would have Tato called it, Park. isn't it? Yeah, it's em- Emerald Park as it is now. Well, listen, Shirley, congratulations! That hundred euros is yours. I'm only back in the chair one morning, and we've already given away some money. I'm just delighted it's you. Tell the kids I said hello. Perfect. Thanks a million. Take care, months. Shirley. Shirley Jackson picking up that one hundred euros this morning. Oh, well, thanks to the good people at Lahartz. Volkswagen ID Sound on KCLR. With thanks to the ID range of electric vehicles at Lahartz Volkswagen Kilkenny. Visit lahartz.ie. That's it. Done. Back in the chair. Enjoyed the show this morning. I hope you did too. Thanks to all of the team. Thanks to the guys answering phones, Mary Mar and everybody else. Thanks to Una for putting the show together and answering your emails. Oh eight three three zero six nine six nine six. If you've got comments or messages in relation to anything we were talking about this morning, we can always pick it up again. Of course, uh, tomorrow morning when I'll be back with you from 10 o'clock coming up after the news at 12 uh, John Keane is in the chair he's got some great music to keep you entertained right throughout the afternoon and as I said a special tribute to Sinead O'Connor uh, for all of the IBI stations across the country coming your way around about 12.30 take care talk to you tomorrow KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops food outlets and a state of the art IMC cinema see fairgreen.ie